the difference between your cousin and unreached people groups is that your cousin has you. Your cousin has you that's a believer that could tell them. The unreached have no one within reasonable access that could tell them. Most likely, they will live and die without hearing the gospel, even one time. There are people unreached in places so hard to reach, few have been reached and very few are trying. Two years ago, we were honored to invite Activate Global under the umbrella of MyBridge, becoming part of our team. It was the unexpected fulfillment of a vision God had put in our hearts years prior to be part of the global movement of God. And through teaming with Activate Global, a part of the global movement of God, we are. Activate Global, My Bridge to the Nations, reaches into the unreached places of our world through strategic partnerships that launch kingdom businesses. It's a make sense model to spread the gospel in some of the hardest to reach places in the world. Today, we share a conversation with Jessica Hutz, co-founder of Activate Global, to hear how they are actively pursuing the fulfillment of the Great Commission among the nearly 3 billion, yes, billion, unreached people around the world. We hope you are moved by this conversation with Jessica Hutz. Well, Jessica, welcome to the Morning Conversation. I'm so glad to be here this morning. <laughs> All right, so you're a millennial, right? Is that correct? <laughs> yes, I am. In that you category. weren't expecting me to start I out am. that way, did you? I wasn't. I'm like, whoa, <laughs> usually pull that generational. Yeah, thing we're going. Right. Well, ah. well. So here's why I am actually. <laughs> Honestly, I've struggled a bit with the millennial conversation from the older generation. You know, because, mm. you know, kind of trying to figure y'all out, you know, and they'll talk about <laughs> things that are going on in, in the culture and how you guys were raised and whatever, and kind of explaining away their sense of some lax depth, spirituality with maturity, whatever. I always thought, man, like God's still God. <laughs> like The Bible's mm. still the Bible. The Holy Spirit's still Holy Spirit. You know, holiness is still holiness. I, I yes. don't, God redeems people from all kinds of places. He redeems fully and thoroughly millennials as well. Anyway, all that to say. Even us, Stan, even us. When I met you and, and your husband and your team, I was like, yes, that's what I'm talking about. Because you guys are like, mm. like, I'm what, 30 years older than you? And uh, not to throw myself under the bus or anything. But anyway, I'm quite a bit older than you. And uh, man, your Jesus is my Jesus. Like your heart is my heart. Your passion is my passion. And and uh, yeah, I love knowing you and serving with you now. And you just give me all kinds of hope for <laughs> all kinds of generations. Amen. Likewise, <laughs> you spur me on. But yes, I'm just like, he is in the business of redeeming millennials. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. What's your perspective on that? Yeah, I think, I mean, I haven't done a ton of study on the generational and like no. how God's moving and differently in the generations. No. But what I have seen is that um, potentially the bar, I remember being when I was young, like learning memory verses and the bar felt really high. And mm. then at a certain age, it became about just like, don't go this path. Don't screw up. Like the bar just kept dropping. And, mm. and for somebody like me, I was just like, man, like why is worldly motivation like more compelling than like the Christian conversation? And I was just like struck by that. And I think that um, there has been a degree of like 
bringing the bar down mm. after a certain age that I hit. And then I just wanted more. I wanted more of the gospel. I wanted more of the active work of the father in my life. Mm. And I think that that's true. I think we can mm. water it down because mm. we assume the generations don't want more of the Lord. And we're trying to make it fit into mm. a cultural box when yeah. I'm like, Hey, maybe the pure gospel in its purest form <laughs> is still moving people mm. in the same way it did in Acts when it said they were cut to the heart when Peter spoke. And that's what happened to me. Yeah. The pure gospel just cut me to the heart, <laughs> transformed my life. And that's what Jesus is still doing. So mm. I think it's something about that, trying to make it fit too much mm. into their relevance, um, actually kind of made me feel like the bar was coming down and down and down. So I think about it, I was a youth pastor for a number of years. And I remember hearing uh, a fellow youth worker at some point along the way say, you know what, if we lose this generation of young people, it won't be because we challenged them too much. It'll be because we challenged them too little. So it really lines up. With Absolutely. What you're saying there. Yeah. So good. Yep. Okay. Take us to into when you were a young adult, you're still a young adult, but you're like a really young adult, let's say college. And uh, <laughs> what were some different makers for you that allowed you to exit college, not only with your faith intact, but with it flourishing? Because obviously we all know that there are plenty of college students that leave college with their faith a wreck, right? But you've left flourishing from college. So what were some things that maybe made a difference for you? Yeah, I think being a part of just gospel community was mm. so solid for me in college. And then being a part, here's the thing, the real difference maker for me was being a part of a bigger story. Like I had an opportunity to do a cross-cultural trip that was facilitated really well. And we had all sorts of exposure to the lost um, in South Asia. And we got, we were with, I was helping street kids and serving in mm -hmm. the homes where Mother Teresa lived and died. And, and I just got to see big vision. And rather than, hey, what was just my career path and go settle and be a comfortable Christian? Like I got to be surrounded by like, radical Christians. And so that just became normal to mm -hmm. say, hey, you can do this with your life and got invited into a bigger story. And that made me after college go, hey, this is just where it begins. This isn't, this doesn't have to be like the culmination or the peak hmm. of my faith life, but like walking with Jesus, like you get to go through new <laughs> peaks. And I was just telling someone um, a few weeks ago at church, I was like, I've been walking with Jesus at a pretty decent pace and, and desire of my heart for, you know, over 10 years. And I am more ignited by him now than I ever have been in my life. And so I just think seeing that in college as it could be a reality, seeing it out in front of me by people who went before me, um, just seeing it modeled. Like you can love God more when you're 70 than you are when you are in college. Like it just made me want to like strive ahead. Truly Paul. And he's like, follow me as I follow <laughs> Christ. Like, I just feel like that image is so powerful. Mm. And then being a part of a bigger story. Yeah. Like I didn't want to just go do the normal mm. thing. I wanted to be a part of something God was doing, mm. but it needed, I needed exposure to that. And and that's what I received yeah, in college was just exposure. Yeah. I had a good friend of mine, uh, Lincoln Murdoch. He still serves uh, with a ministry called step up the life out of Omaha. And he used to always say back, this was like 30 years ago, you probably weren't even born yet. But uh, he, used to Just always, barely. Yeah, he used to always say radical Christianity is normal Christianity. Like we, we want to say it's radical. Like, no, it's not rad. That's normal. <laughs> the problem is uh, too many of us, if we're not careful, we live below normal. And so radical seems like, woo, like, no, that's just normal. That's the Christian life, passionately loving yeah. Jesus and radically following him. Yeah, that's so true. And I had someone tell me once and I don't, 
hold anything against them, but they're like, I think it's radical just a little too much. I'm like, that's the whole point. Like, yeah. <laughs> can we be too much for mm. Jesus? Can we be too much? Yeah. Like, and that was the question for me. It's like, Lord, I don't think we can be too much. Like, I don't think I'm going to meet you and say, I wish I would have toned it back a little <laughs> bit. Yeah, it reminds me of a conversation I had with my mom. And she didn't remember it years later. And she ended up loving Jesus before she passed away. But pretty early in my faith, I was in college. And uh, she looks at me and she goes, aren't you taking this, you know, Jesus, God thing a little bit too far? I said, Mom, <laughs> like, there's a lot of things that you can take too far. Pretty sure God's not one of them. <laughs> That's so true. <laughs> God is always at work among us. John in Scott's Bluff thought he wanted to serve on the mission field until he went to Bible college. The combo of lack of study skills, my independence, and a really strict Bible college was not a good combination for me. And I really was in a spot of, if this is Christianity, I don't want any part of it. So John remained pretty unconcerned about faith as he pursued a corporate career. I started getting promoted, started to make lots of money. We were just really empty. We had lots of things and there was just a deep level of dissatisfaction. Around that same time, the woman who was providing daycare for their children invited them to her church. We just heard the compelling gospel message. We got to a point where we couldn't avoid it. We knew we weren't satisfied, and now we're hearing this thing, and it was causing all sorts of turmoil, and I would say that's conviction. That conviction, that awareness of his sin before a perfect God, led John and his wife to take the steps of repentance and saving faith. The only way to deal with that conviction was to submit it to Christ. And I've come to understand that ultimately what God wants with me is a relationship. God is on the move, drawing each of us, like John, into a relationship offered to us through saving faith. God is doing something right now. My Bridge Radio, celebrating God at work among us. Share your story and join the conversation in the Connect Now section at mybridgeradio.net. Jessica here at My Betrayed, we have this statement that we make. There are people who are unreached in places so hard to reach, few have been reached and very few are trying. And so I'd love to engage you around that and kind of unpack that a little bit. Again, if people listen to MyBridge very much, they're hearing that statement. Let's take it apart a little bit. So talk about the people who are unreached in places so hard to reach. Give us a perspective of that. Yeah, I will never forget the day I was in a taxi in um, South Asia. And we were going to the airport and we asked the taxi driver, do you know Jesus? And he said, is that who you're going to pick up at the airport? Mm. And that's an essence of what that means. There are people that are unreached. <laughs> and um, this could be because they don't know of anyone who knows of a Christian, mm -hmm. right? Like they don't know what that means because they've never even met somebody who would say they're a follower of Jesus. Um, in other contexts, it's like they're so hard to reach because they've been told this is who Jesus is. That's not true of who Jesus is. And that's created like a, you know, an extremist narrative and it's they're just hard to reach yeah. because the extremism that they're living in the oppression that they're living in for me until i really begin to to know and love and walk with you guys and hear all that god was doing among the unreached 
you know, it's very easy to hear that and go, well, my neighbors doesn't know Jesus, so he's unreached. My you know, cousin doesn't know Jesus, he, he's unreached. And that's true, but that's not what we're talking about when we talk about unreached people groups, right? Absolutely, because the difference between your cousin and unreached people groups is that your cousin has you. Your cousin has you that's a believer that could tell them. And your neighbor has you in your block that could tell them. The unreached have no one within reasonable access that could tell them. And so that's why we have these terms. It's not to say it's insignificant to be living on mission where we are. It's to say there aren't communities of faith that are even existing around these people. So most likely they will live and die without hearing the gospel, even one time. Mm, Wow. Yeah. So Jessica, there are people who are unreached in places that are so hard to reach. Few have been reached. So let's talk some data here. (laughs) So when we talk about that, what do we mean few have been reached? Yeah. So of a population of like 7.9 billion people, um, 3 billion are considered unreached, um, just over 3 billion. And so we're talking around 40% of the global population. And I know that that statistics can feel impersonal, but when we talk about the narrative of God and what he's been doing since Genesis, he's been the business of redeeming his multi-ethnic family for the kingdom. And so what these statistics would say is that we as a church collectively are still needing to be focused and directed toward those who have little to no access to the gospel at all, because we're talking a substantial amount of people in the world who've never had access. Little to no access means what? Yeah. So we're talking about when you're in a community, unreached people technically is 2% or less Christian in that entire Um, people group or population. Most of the people groups that we are serving among are 0.1% Christians or less. So you're talking in a major um, people group, just a handful of believers that might be there. And there may, um, in many cases, be no believers in that people group yet. And so that's what we're talking about. And the gravity of this situation is there are not just easy, accessible faith communities, churches on every block. I mean, it is just hard to meet a Christian and there because there are so few that there are not um, a strong enough evangelical population to take the gospel to their people group. So we need to focus on them in yeah. a new and special way. Yeah. So compare and contrast that a little bit to the United States. Do you know approximate percentages here? In the United States, we're looking at what people would identify as a Christian. Now, we all know that that doesn't necessarily mean that everyone right. actively following Jesus, but according to those who would profess that they are a Christian and believe in Jesus, we're talking around 76%. Oh, wow. Yeah, very different statistics. Oh, very different. Yeah, compared to point, oh, what was it? 0.01%, 0.1%, unless those are where we focus. And so the least, the last, the lost mm-hmm. is our... Mm, wow. So I've been talking this morning about unreached people groups, right? There are people unreached in places so hard to reach. Few have been reached. Last part we want to talk about, and very few are trying. So let's talk about just the disproportion amount of investment that is spent on places like the United States that has 76 plus percent of people who would profess Christ and know about this whole concept of Jesus compared to that less than 1% in the unreached people groups. But yet, Talk about the disproportion of resources spent. Yeah. 
It's mm. crazy daunting that of even missions resources that are giving, you're talking at least as far as the current statistic that we have to go off of, if a dollar is given to global missions, a penny is going to focus mm. toward unreached places. So 99 cents of a dollar is going to places that already have Christians, believers, churches. And so we're just saying, wow, look at that disproportion. That's why it's called the great imbalance is that um, the people that have committed their lives and are going to be unreached, the harder to reach places really are um, using and and have access to about 1% of the resources to do that. And typically, these are the hardest places to get to geographically, the most challenging places to get visas, um, sometimes the furthest places to travel. So they can be more costly, not only for your safety, but just practical costs are higher. They're not as easy to get to, which is why people aren't going. They have a higher demand, but are still getting just 1% of global missions resources. And um, that is a great imbalance. Wow. I was just thinking about how missions has been something that we as a country and other countries even have been about for a while, other countries of Christ followers. And yet we've got 3 billion, right? 3 billion mm-hmm. people in our world who still haven't come to know Jesus yet, who still haven't been exposed to Jesus yet. If we keep doing the same thing the same way, the probability of those people being reached is just not very high, right? Because we've been at this for a while. So I, again, I think about that uh, definition of insanity that many of us have heard, right? Continuing to do the same thing the same way and expect different results. So talk about the need of maybe some innovative model for missions, right? Because if we keep doing missions the way we've done missions, we're going to stay where we've been. And uh, that's just not okay, right? That's not acceptable to God or hopefully to us. So God's put you and activate in just the forefront of some cool, innovative things. So talk about kind of the approach that God's kind of birthed in activate and and how it's different and why. Yeah, absolutely. So we, um, I love looking at problems, big problems and asking the Lord for solutions because I just think God's a solution giver. Hmm. He's a provider. And so that was the question we had for the Lord is how. Father, have you given us an impossible task? And what we saw was that multiplication is one of the key strategies and sustainability. So what we came in with, we started partnering with local believers that were the nearest to geographically, um, you know, socioeconomically, Mm. um, linguistically, culturally, ethnically. Yes, exactly. Linguistically, we started partnering with believers who are closest to them and giving them that same great commission call. Because what we saw with some of our friends in Africa is they were disqualifying themselves from Mm. being a missionary because they said, I can't afford that plane ticket. I don't know enough friends and family that could give me enough money extra because they're all kind of struggling to provide for their own families to give out on top of that to support my full salary so I can go right to coastal Kenya people groups. That was their heart. They they just like, they didn't think they could because they couldn't do it in the exact way they had seen it done in a Western model. And so we started seeing their heart. They wanted to be missionaries. We're like, why can't they have the same great commission vision? And then the disciple they make can have a great commission vision. But then you have to think about practically, even if you're talking about an Indian in India that is going to move from their home church community to a new community that doesn't have access to gospel, that's still costly. 
nicely. Hmm. That's still um, them shifting, trying to fit into a new community. And they have some problems when they go to those communities. And that's where Activate, we, we wanted to nestle in. What are those challenges? And they said, one, we are an outsider, even in that community. So we need a reason to be there um, because we want to bless the people. We don't want to come in and, and not offer anything. So we need a way to bless the people. We practically, how are we supposed to provide for our family? Because so many people had been told for so long that being a full-time missionary and a full-time pastor exclusively with no other income in any other way was the only way to pursue a holy calling. But we said, man, Lord, if, if the only people who are qualified to go to the 3 billion people who've never heard are the ones who are fully funded. How is that going to work? And we just started doing the math and it was impossible. Um, The nation we were in had 100,000 villages that needed the gospel. 100,000 villages. There's not enough of that 1% on the dollar to get workers to 100,000 villages. That's in one nation. And so we started just discussing the idea of sending people in this new old way of doing things where they would have an income generating activity in their life that would give them access to the community, be able to provide for their family and be a way for them to organically meet people in the community to share the love of Jesus um, where they are. And that is what we do. That's what we love to do kingdom businesses um, that are going to help people step into their missional calling, but provide for themselves practically, give them access to the community and give them organic opportunity to meet people and share the seed of the gospel. Help guide the decisions about what songs you continue to hear on MyBridge Radio and how often you hear them. It just seems like the right song comes on at the right time to lift my soul. Every time I turn on my radio, there's always a song that comes on that hits right where I'm at. Be a part of life-changing comments like that. Five minutes informs every music move we make. Five minutes, two times per month. Eternal impact. Go to mybridgeradio.net to sign up. Jessica, you just shared beautifully, loved your explanation of this whole kingdom business concept. So exciting what God's doing around the world, literally. Give us a real life example. Like you regularly go to these remote places, you and your husband and your team. And how has one of these ones worked out where you, they were able to see the vision, recognize that God was calling them to their proximate uh, mission field and they could do it through this kingdom business. And yeah, give us a story. Man, there are so many great <laughs> stories. One that really came to mind is recent. It's in the Horn of Africa, in the Eastern Africa region. And it is a group of believers. So it's not just one person with mm. their business, but they had um, 16 workers that were going to go and engage this really dynamic, very primitive um, people group. You can see them featured on National Geographic because they still have have a very primitive um, look about them and cultural values. And they wanted to equip these workers with kingdom businesses to engage this people group. And by doing that, rather than giving them salary incomes as missionaries, now what they have seen is they have almost tripled their workforce. So with the same resources they've started farming, um, they started vegetable farming. And the vegetable farming is providing very 
needed food security in this community. And these little farm plots that they are doing are fueling the gospel. And now the people that those missionaries, those believers are discipling, are looking at their disciple maker and going, well, if they can do this and be a part of this great commission vision and be a farmer, like, so can I, that's what I do. Right. So it eliminates all those barriers. And then they started going. And now we're looking at 40 full time workers with a kingdom business engaging the gospel among this very, um, you know, primitive, very far to reach people group. And now they are sending missionaries to the next tribes that are going out from them. It's, It's literally a missions movement with crops, like with little farm plots. Also thinking about our friends in North Africa. So there are a group of women that are very hard to access in North Africa. So they're very, culture is very, very conservative and women are to stay in the home and not be visible outside to be with, accompanied by a male at all Mm. times. And so our partners were burdened for this people group and said, we the Lord loves them. Jesus wants them also to hear the gospel. But you can imagine how much more creative and they had to be in asking the Lord to impart a strategy to them. And so their strategy was to engage these women by creating an employment opportunity. And so the one opportunity in this area where so many people go into these challenging areas and see all the things that they can't do, all the, you know, whether it's war or famine or, you know, conflict and and all these different things. Um, But they went in just asking Lord for opportunity. And what they saw were these argon trees. So if you've ever heard of argon oil, Mm -hmm. it's pretty popular. It's, It's a pure oil. And these argon nuts only fall in this area of the world. And so they, they collect the nuts and then they are bringing the women to the center and they are cracking argon nuts so they're giving them an employment opportunity creating a safe working environment for them and while they're working cracking nuts they're sharing sharing stories of jesus Hmm. and how jesus is at work and i just think of that kingdom business and how with just creative kingdom businesses with these ministries, like they're able to access women like that who would otherwise have been behind closed doors um, with very little opportunity to ever experience a Christian and the love of Christ and uh, the gospel. So we're really excited about Mm. what God's doing there. Yeah, we are very excited. (laughs) We're we're talking this summer about uh, the concept of restoring your stuff, right? So many of us have stuff that we're just storing, like it's collecting dust, really, right? Just kind of sitting there in garages and closets and storage units. And uh, and just encouraging many of us just to consider and maybe dust that stuff off and uh, sell it and then invest they kind of restore it by reinvesting those funds into the kingdom through uh, sending them for Activate Global to launch new kingdom businesses, right? What a difference that it could it could be. I was thinking about that statement many of us have heard, like one man's trash is another man's treasure, right? One man's <laughs> dust collector is another man's like impact accelerator. So wow. yeah, talk about that a little bit. Let's talk about the impact. If someone would just do that simple act, they don't take money out of their bank account, They could take something that is literally collecting dust and they could impact eternity through it. Wow. I just got a spiritual picture about how that's each one of us. Mm. The Lord just picked us up, Mm. dusted us off and purposed us Mm. into the world. And I just think about, yeah, I don't know. That just 
hit me out of somewhere. It's a word for me this morning, but I have things behind me in in my office that I'm like, oh, that qualifies. Mm -hmm. And what I think that that does is it, we, I think that the temptation, especially maybe in a, in an environment like ours is to think about all the, um, the temptation that we may experience is to not see the opportunity for our own involvement, where we are in our community. And so I just saw kind of burst before me in my mind was people taking, taking us up on this, right. And going, whether it's just a little pile in the front yard, or it's this big driveway with all of your neighbors, like you can repurpose something. And, and a part of that in our obedience is just like experiencing what Jesus does in the midst of it. I'm just envisioning people sharing about mm-hmm. what God's doing yeah, around the world mm-hmm. as they're having this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like my neighbor just had a, a garage sale, um, a few weeks ago. And man, there were so many people in our driveway, just like chatting and hanging out and, you know, and just like what opportunity that we have. And yeah, the impact of that, and it feels so small, but that's just with the kingdom. It's like, the, it's the seed of the kingdom that just breaks forth and grows this massive plant. Like it has always just been the, the seeds of small obedience mm. that make big things yeah. happen. Okay. And trust me, little investment in, in with activate really does go a really far distance, um, especially among the unreached. So I'm excited about people being invited into this. Yeah, I'm we're super excited. And again, I, I think you know maybe you're not into garage sales, but you've got uh, you know Facebook Marketplace or you know all these various mm-hmm. ways that you can sell stuff. I'm always amazed <laughs> at the things that my wife is able to sell. I'm like, really? Like my three pairs <laughs> of my old shoes, like <laughs> you know, a pile of t-shirts. That I never wear anymore. Like, uh, yeah, what she's been able to sell. But again, just some things I haven't been totally motivated. I've got some things I've been sitting around. But uh, man, as uh, we've launched this, man, it's it's going up on websites and wherever. Mm. And uh, we're going to move that stuff and we're going to restore it, right? We're going to stop storing it where dust is collecting. We're going to restore it into eternal treasure. Absolutely. Because I think our usual temptation when we hit the Facebook marketplace is to go, hey, with the money I buy, get from this, I can buy that, <laughs> right? <laughs> more but stuff I think to collect. <laughs> more things yeah. than in three years will also be in the marketplace. But um, what I do think is so exciting about this this challenge is that it's causing us to look at the things around us in a new way that they could, God, could you take something that is sitting down and use it in the lives of people who've never heard about your name, like, and just considering that to like, get it out there. Um, that's a really cool thing and believing God for that. Mm, so good. Well, Jessica, thank you for joining us today. We're excited. Thank you so much for having me. It's awesome to be with you this morning. Three billion unreached people is pretty daunting. And I was shocked when I learned only one penny, seriously, one penny of every dollar given to missions is going to serve those unreached people groups. Like people that literally think Jesus is someone they were gonna go pick up from the airport and might always think that. It's just so hard to imagine a life without Jesus or an opportunity to know him. So we are excited about the work Activate Global is doing and to be teaming up with them to send workers into the harvest. If you're interested in learning more about Activate Global and finding your place in the Great Commission among the unreached, check out their website. It's activateglobal.net. And as always, to hear more from MyBridge, 
Tune in to your local MyBridge radio station, listen online with our app, at home through your smart speaker, or on mybridgeradio.net.